Hello, and welcome to the Slidebean Startups 101 podcast, a podcast about what it's like to start a business. My name is Kaya. I am the CEO at Slidebean and your host for today. Writing a first investor pitch deck is an overwhelming process for many startup founders. You have to calculate your market and figure out your go-to-market strategy and your financials. And we get a lot of founders that are just stuck halfway. First challenge here is, is the fact that the pitch deck is a tool that paints a quick and exciting picture of a business opportunity. Sometimes that idea is not fully formed or sometimes the founders haven't had a chance to sit down and figure out some key business components. And as they build their pitch deck, they realize that they need to stop and go think about that. The point here is by solving your pitch deck, you are solving many strategic decisions about your business. We are gonna cover how to answer these business questions and how to translate them into the writing format that an investor expects to receive. Now, why do we know anything about this stuff? Well, my name is Kaja and I am the CEO of a company called Slidebean. We are a Dreamit Ventures and 500 Startups Accelerator alum and we raised venture capital for our own business and we actually got into meetings with hundreds of investors, most of which rejected us. Our platform is a super easy to use presentation platform and most of our customers are other startups. So effectively, thousands of decks and millions of dollars have been raised with our presentations. So without further ado, this is how to write a killer pitch deck. All right, so like I said, with Slidebean, I've worked with hundreds of companies and looked at their pitch decks and helped them craft better stories for their startups. Pitch decks are company stories. If you think of a deck as a story, then you can start thinking about you know, the story arc or plot points or developments, antagonists, and a climax for the story. For most companies, this is a pitch deck outline that translates into a fantastic story and we've used it time and time again. First, the problem solution section. There's this major pain point in the world and we've created this solution that breaks the status quo. This solution that we created is excellent. It looks beautiful, it saves time, and people love it. This is the product section. This is the first glimpse that people will get into the product, what it does, how users are finding it essential for their lives and getting repeat use and tons of money, and then how this business model just makes sense for them. The story continues to build up and we moved into the go-to-market section, which is very often overlooked. We've not only built this awesome product, but we are rock stars at selling it. And there are tons and tons of customers out there. Large market opportunity. Moving into the competitor section. Some companies have tried to do it and they're all doing it wrong. None of them have the insights that we have. None of them have the tech that we have. And our team just has so much experience in the industry that we're just set out to win. Excitement at its peak. It's the, it's the climax of the story. And then, right then, here's how you, investor in the room, can join this company. And this is the ask section. You can be a part of this and you can make a shit ton of money and here are the numbers to show it. There you have it. That translates into 15 slides for a killer deck. Well, this is my own version of a startup story. And again, we've used it quite a bit of times. I'm not making it up. We actually surveyed the templates and the presentations of some of the most successful companies out there. And absolutely all of them contain a variation of these 15 slides. Investors don't want a 45 slide deck. They don't want a one pager. I mean, some of them do, fine. But they certainly don't want a 50 page business plan. They want a presentation that shows that you and your team have solved all of this in your heads and that you can put it in simple terms and obviously that their money is gonna make a difference to get this business to where it's meant to go. Okay, so let's dig into each one of these slides. The problem solution section. The problem, sometimes called the opportunity slide, should be simple. I believe in slides that just 
propose three or four sentences about the status quo. I've used Airbnb's example a bunch of times and I'm gonna use it again. This is what Airbnb wrote on their slide. Price is important for travelers, hotels are bubbles, and there is no way to book a room with a local or to host a spare room or an apartment. These are the actual slides from Airbnb's 2009 first seed round deck. Our team did some redesigning because the original slides were not great. Notice how each statement is one line long. They're also undebatable statements. You don't wanna get into an argument with investors at this point. If you're building a product that a lot of people will use, then the pain point you've identified needs to be so very clear to so many people. So complex, wordy problem statements reflect problems that might not be too evident and therefore translate to fewer users. In the end, that means that you might have a harder time convincing people that they actually need what you've built. Now, of course, some industries are more straightforward than others, but this is a fantastic challenge to start writing your pitch deck. Figure out how to explain your problem in three sentences. It takes time, don't expect to get it right the first time. The solution is, well, a slide that addresses those three or four points with solutions. On this slide, I like to talk about the product more like in the abstract. Now, don't get into features yet. Just talk about what it does at its core. This could be a sentence. It could be three bullet points or three images that connect to the problem statements that you just talked about. Now, one important tip here is to, once again, avoid tech jargon. Think of benefits instead of features. So instead of saying a fully responsive editor, you can rephrase that to edit your presentation anywhere, even on your phone. This is a killer line right here from a real pitch deck. The convenience of a cab in New York City plus the experience of a professional chauffeur. That's Uber's actual solution slide on their long time ago seat deck. Now, moving to the product section. It's time to brag about the actual product. Screenshots are good. A 60 second video demo is perfect. Avoid more than 60 seconds. And then a slide on the benefits. Once again, benefits to the user, not developed or fancy features. With the business model, don't worry too much about different pricing plans or tiers. Just tell us how the company makes money. Is it a subscription SaaS business? Great, how much per month? Is it based on an API request? Great, just how much per API request? And what is the average contract size? How much is each one of these users worth to you? This is not a pitch to the customer, this is a summary of how the company makes money. Which brings me to arguably the most important slide in the deck, traction. I talk about traction all the time. You need traction to raise capital. Here's Steve Bars from Dream Adventures repeating the same thing. For raising serious institutional capital, if you have no traction, it's really, really difficult. Here's Elizabeth Ying's blog saying how you need to bootstrap your way to 30% month over month growth. Can a company raise money without traction? I'm obligated to say yes, but it happens very rarely. Investors in 2019 want to see built products early signs of revenue and customer excitement. That's the way to stand out. It's not so much about the story, it's about how the company actually proved that it can make money. If, of course, you have a considerable, beautiful, multi-million dollar startup exit in your background, well, you're probably not watching this video and you probably don't need my help to raise money. If you don't have traction, go get it and then come back. Next up, a go-to-market plan. So most of the companies I talk to don't have a go-to-market plan solved. An excellent go-to-market plan should have a layout of how your customer acquisition process looks, whether it's outbound sales or inbound marketing, a rollout plan or timeline on your critical team hires, what they will do and what your budget is to bring these customers in. Your expected unit economics for the acquisition. So how much is your average customer acquisition going to be and how long will it take you to recover that money based on your business model, which of course translates into how much money the company needs 
to raise. And then, of course, that relates to the length of your sales cycle. Knowing the answers to these questions before your product even launches is hard, not to say impossible, but once again, that translates to the importance of getting traction before you work on this. So once again, if you're raising money to grow the company, then this slide is absolutely fundamental. You have to prove to the investor that you know very well how you are gonna be spending their money. Now, these tactics might fail, they will fail. You will probably need to pivot and adjust soon. But the point here is that you need to show that you and your team have a plan that you've come up with and that you can very easily come up with another one if or when this one fails. Now that we've talked about how you're gonna to get to market, you should talk about the market size. So I'm gonna quote Steve again, so that you don't have to hear it from me. Top-down market estimates don't work. 1% of a trillion dollar market is an irrelevant number to an investor. It's about how many customers you're gonna get. First big mistake we see people make, they say, oh, if I could just get one to 2% of the market, it's a huge total addressable market. Absolutely not. You cannot do a top-down estimate. You've gotta come bottoms up. Next thing people do, say, okay, great, I'll do it bottoms up. The first example they'll say is, wait a second, look how big the problem is. The total addressable market, they say, look at the impact. For instance, a very unfortunate problem in the US today is the opioid crisis. They'll tell us the opioid crisis is a $100 billion problem. Right, that's the size of the problem. It's not the size of the market. You can't define the size of your market being the size of the problem. All right, so bottom-up market estimates or approaches. The point of this slide is showing how much money could this company make. Take your time to do a little research. Prove to yourself first that this is a $100 million business opportunity. We can help with that. The point is investors wanna make sure that the business opportunity that they're investing in is large enough to make up for their money. Now that we've covered the business opportunity, let's confirm that there are no obstacles in the way. Let's call them antagonists. I like, I really do like two axis charts for competitor comparison. As long as you can find a way to differentiate yourself with these two axes. You know, our product two axes look something like this. We have no automation versus automation and beautiful design versus bad design. That's where we stand apart and it's easy to lay it out with just these two variables. Most businesses, however, are more complex and they will require something that looks more like a grid. The grid lets you talk about your advantages much more clearly and stand apart with specific features and without having to oversimplify it to just two variables. If you're a tech startup, the competitive advantages slide is where you get to brag about your stack. Maybe you have a few patents under your name, maybe you've built something nobody else can replicate, this is the place to add it. Which then brings us to the team. This slide should answer the question, why are we, or you, the team to do this? And why can't anyone else catch up to you soon? Ideally, you should talk about years of industry insight that give you a unique perspective on the problem that few others will be able to see. In this slide, by the way, I recommend talking only about your founders and or your core team members, two to four people tops. People who are passionate about this and who are getting their hands dirty with the actual business operations. I rarely recommend mentioning advisors. In my experience, advisors typically allocate, I don't know, one or two hours per month to the companies that they're advising, which to me is really not enough time to truly impact the business. I've actually been asked to become an advisor to various businesses, and what I always tell them is, first, I'm running my own gig, so I don't have time to get my hands and get involved in the way I would want to, even if the business you're building is exciting. If you give me, as an advisor, like half a percent or 1% of stock, and then your business succeeds, I'll end up being a very expensive advisor to you compared to the time that I could really dedicate. So you're better off booking some office hours from me and you know, picking my brain from time to time. I'll actually leave a link to my office hours in the description. Finally, financials. Investors expect to see some projections on how you expect the company to grow in the next 
three, five years. Everyone knows that these are not going to be exact, but they want to see what your expectations are. If you believe the company can grow from zero to $1 billion in annual revenue in five years, maybe you are a little bit too optimistic not to say out of your mind, red flag. Or if after five years, it's only at a million dollars in revenue, then perhaps this is not a large enough business opportunity or you're not ambitious enough for their expectations. So remember, seed stage and venture capital investors expect you to 10x the valuation of the business within five to seven years. And that's the only way in which the math works for them. Go check out our video on equity and convertible notes for some more ideas on how this works. Which brings us to the ask, where you should talk about how much money you are raising and a simple breakdown of how you plan to use it. Use categories like growth and marketing, product development, operations. Uh, for a company with a built product, this growth expansion budget should be a big chunk of the pie. And that's it. That's a pitch deck story. As a final note, these are not rules. They are more like guidelines. So go ahead and break them. I, for example, like to kick off with traction sometimes on slide two. If the business model is simple and the company is doing really well, it helps you capture attention early on. On the other hand, if you have multiple products and then you have to come up with numerous problem slash solution combinations for each one of them. So you can always you know, come up with a challenge on how to reorganize those slides. I've created a pitch deck template with the slides I use, which you can download and edit directly on Slidebean, link in the description. Anyone signing up with that link will get three free months on any of our plans. Also, once again, you can go to slidebean.com slash pitch deck to find out other ways in which myself or our team can help out with your slides. Thanks for listening to today's episode. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as we did. Remember to turn on your notifications for our podcast. You can also follow us on slidebean.com slash podcasts. See you next week.